everyone. Welcome in live nationwide and around the world with Ron Seggi today on this first weekend of the new month. And we have a big show for you this week. My first guest from PBS, T.J. Lubinsky, will be here. He's got a new show that first aired on CBS in 1965. He redid it, and it's called It's What's Happening, Baby. Then from the attack of the murder hornets on the Discovery Plus channel, Ted McFall will be joining us. Country legend Loretta Lynn will be here from the third season of New Amsterdam, Tyler Bean. Comedian Tom Arnold, comedian Tommy Davidson, who is part of an ABC show called Soul of a Nation. From her daytime TV show, Tamron Hall will be joining us. And then we're going to chat about eating healthy with Mia Sin. And that's all coming up this week with Ron Seggi today. We're going to pause only momentarily, come back with my first guest this first hour, T.J. Lubinsky from PBS. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathrooms, if you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-896-8242. 800-896-8242. That's 800-896-8242. Every choice you make, you want it to be the wise one. And if you haven't joined MediShare yet, you may want to look into it right now. It may be exactly the wise choice for you and your family. You can save a lot on your health care without sacrificing quality. MediShare gives you free telehealth, a huge network of doctors, all of that. But the typical family saves $500 a month, month after month. And that makes sense for a lot of people, more than 400,000 so far. And you get the security of knowing this has been working great for over 25 years. So MediShare is different. It's a good different. It's really about sharing. Members even pray for each other, which is very refreshing, especially right now. And one more very good thing. If you join before the end of February, they'll waive your new member fee. That's another $170 you'll save before you start saving month after month. Here's the number. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. And we are back live all across the USA and around the world. You are listening to Ron Sedgy today. Our next guest has been with us in the past, and I'm always delighted when he comes here. We have a lot of stuff in common, and he is now going to be embarking on yet another venture for public broadcasting. Joining us right now is our friend, T.J. Lubinsky. Hi, T.J., how are you? Welcome back to the show. Hey, Ron, it's uh, great to be here with you and, of course, love hearing the Supremes. Can you bring it back for us? Being a disc jockey for many, many years, you know, we played a lot, a lot of songs, but, of course, we always looked up to the guys like Murray the K., and he used to come out with albums with Murray Decay's greatest hits of a, a collage of things. You have taken a show that aired back in June 28, 1965 on CBS, has not seen for almost 56 years, called 
It's What's Happening, Baby, that's going to be premiering on public broadcasting on Saturday, March 6th. Tell us about it, TJ. Well, it's interesting, you know, because I always grew up knowing about Alan Freed. I mean, in my house, Alan Freed was absolutely a god. And also how criminal it was and what happened to Alan, how he lost his job. Then, of course, I knew very well, working in the New York, New Jersey market, Cousin Brucey. Right. But I didn't know there was a gap between those guys. And the gap, of course, was the great Murray the K. Kaufman, just uh, an incredible DJ who was a performer, who was stylized, who played his own music, not what the program director told him to do, and who really had the pulse of the kids at that time. I remember being a young kid. I got a bootleg of the concert, particularly because I love Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. They're my favorite group. I was able to get a clip of the Miracles, not realizing it was from a full show. And then, you know, I knew right then and there, eventually I'd be able to find the show and do something with it. And that's how we come upon to where we are today. It's funny you should mention that, because I've seen a million clips on different late-night record offers of that show and never realized myself that it was part of a special that was done. Now, you are known for producing these things from scratch. I remember distinctly having a conversation with you about how you go back and listen and chart just about every song note for note so that when you put on those PBS specials, and you have put on a ton of them, that everything is just the way the record sounds, which is the key to this whole thing. This was a little bit different. I'm assuming that it was not so labor-intensive because you had the whole show, but you did redigitize it in its entirety. Well... Okay, so here's your breaking story that no one else knows because no one else has asked that question. (laughs) If it's a production I'm involved with, I always want it to sound as close to the recording as possible. Right. And when we got the Murray the K tapes, the video side of it took probably two or three years to uh, reconvert, to get each segment to play, because it wasn't just one show at the Fox Theater. It was all these remote locations all around the country. Uh, The way they recorded it, each time they went to a new location, all the settings had to be reset, the different levels and the instruments that make the videotape play. But for me, there was a problem. The first problem, meaning that anytime they lip-synced anything, it was all mono, which is nice, but in today's world of high-definition television, I really wanted to go back and re-sync up those clips so that we had true stereo in all those records. That's where there's like a lip sync performance, almost like an early MTV style, the way Murray went out and recorded all these kids and young performers on the street. And then there was a live performance that was recorded at the uh, Brooklyn Fox Theater. For those, what I wanted to do was really get the sound of the stereo record. So in cooperation with the record companies, what we did was we got the original backing tracks to most of the songs, which would be just the backing vocals and the backing instruments, say it's the drifters, it would be the strings and the horns and the drums and some percussion and the backing drifters. But we were able to get those minus the lead vocal because most of the lead vocals in this Murray the K show were all live. And so we were able to mix that, add in some of one of my orchestras, which happens to be overseas, to fill in some of the gaps and to really make this a stereo recording with the actual live vocal, but the background now, instead of being something you hardly heard before, actually is a full orchestra sound. Man, now you really whet my appetite to see this thing. That is outstanding. Well, I didn't think you'd let it slide by half <laughs> done. Now, the, some of the acts that are here, the great Ray Charles, Dionne Warwick, 
The Righteous Brothers, The Supremes, Marvin Gaye, Johnny Rivers, The Miracles, Herman's Hermits, The Temptations, Patti LaBelle, and The Bluebells. These are great performances. And tell us about the fact that this particular show, and I didn't know this, okay, TJ, was a show commissioned by the United States government's Office of Economic Opportunity. It was part of Lyndon Johnson's War on Poverty, which encouraged the youth of America to go out and get summer jobs while out of school. Never knew that. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And, of course, they called him Murray the K as someone they thought would have a connection to the youth of America because Murray at that time had his own radio show, Mm -hmm. and they knew he was a performer by the way he did the stage act. He would change outfits, he would sing as part of the band, and all that stuff. And so they went to Murray and said, let's make a TV show. I think in different parts of the country, not realizing that, you know, it was going to be mostly urban. He was trying to attract urban African-American kids, Latino kids, to go back into school. And so when it aired, there was a lot of problems because people in certain parts of the country, they didn't like what they saw. Right. And that's why it never aired again, primarily because it's very diverse. But if, if you grew up in an area like New York or Philadelphia or wherever else, New Jersey, where I'm from, you never really saw a color line anyway. So you see all these kids, black, white, Latino, all together singing and dancing and calling and responding with the different artists. And it's it's really a beautiful form of how music can surpass any of our differences. And one of the highlights is the fact that this show, because you have stars today that worked with Marie the K, like Little Anthony and Dionne Warwick, but you also had probably the last interview with Mary Wilson of the Supremes, and then she passed away about a week or so later. So this is a real memorial to the Supremes. Yeah, and of course that puts an end on our hope that there would be a reunion one day. I'd always thought, because the main problem with the reunions in the past were fights over money, I had thought, you know, maybe after this show I can go to uh, uh, Dinah Ross and some of the other folks involved with Cindy and say, look, we're public television. We have no money. So that problem? Gone. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Let's get us all together. And that was kind of my plan. And Mary was so alive. She'd hosted a bunch of shows for me. And she was talking about, oh, I'm going to do a new movie, and then I'm going to do a reality show, and then I got another book. And I mean, she was so alive. And then she was gone a couple days later. It made you realize how precious life is. She had blood clots, I think, of what took her, but it was just so sad. Yeah, and she was a grand lady. I have to congratulate you on millions of dollars that you have raised for PBS with shows like Get Down Tonight, The Disco Years, The 60s Experience, doo-wop vocal groups, Moments to Remember, Motown Memories, The British Beat, Country Pop Classics. I mean, you have really brought the music of our lives, the as Dick Clark used to say, the blueprint of our lives, back to television. Mm-hmm. And you know what's nice about it, TJ? And you know this better than anybody. It never dies. Yeah. It's it's amazing because, you know, when you see some of these performances, particularly uh, The Temptations are singing their first hit on there, also written by Smokey Robinson, the way you do the things you do. Right. And you think, these guys have, you know, they've got all the power in the world. They had Charlie Atkins as their choreographer. Uh, they could do anything. They were they were the, you know, I call them the, the tall, tantalizing, toe-tapping, terrific temptations. <laughs> and you sit and you talk to these guys, right? And they're like, yeah, but we were afraid of Little Anthony and the Imperials. We had to really step up our dancing because we thought they were going to blow us off stage. And then in the same show, I call him Tough Tony, Little Anthony says, we were scared of them. Those guys were scared. Scared of us? We were scared of them. Yeah, great story. And uh, it's pretty amazing to see that camaraderie, uh, competition, but camaraderie at the same time. 
Well, as Murray the case would say, it's a swinging soiree. <laughs> its premiere is coming up this Saturday, March 6th, of course, on public broadcasting. And the time is going to be 7 p.m. Eastern and Central Time. However, as we all know, public television do a ton of encore telecasts. So check your local listings because it'll be playing several times over the years. And it's, of course, the brainchild of our guest and friend T.J. Lubinsky. And it is called It's What's Happening, Baby. And it's a star-studded show from a lot of great great artist over almost 56 years ago. TJ, I know your brother lives in town. Please, the next time you visit Orlando, let me know. You have my number. We can break bread together, come on over to the studio, and we can talk about good old rock and roll. Sounds like a plan to me. Thank oh, you. Thanks, TJ. Look forward to having you back, my friend. Bye-bye. He does a great job, and this public broadcasting venue that he has uh, really taken over for great musical memories. We're going to pause for a second. There's more to come with Ron Seggi today. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. The treatment doesn't get any better than what you receive at St. Jude. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially, and so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders, and now your focus is supporting this child. There is not another hospital like St. Jude. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. It's pretty amazing when you consider that seven years ago, we didn't have the treatments we have now. We cure 80% of children with cancer. Go back 50 years, we were curing 20 to 30%. This is the miracle story of modern medicine. We understand what makes this cancer tick. And of course, without donors from around the world, this just couldn't happen. There's one thing we're focused on, and that's beating this thing. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Every choice you make, you want it to be the wise one. And if you haven't joined MediShare yet, you may want to look into it right now. It may be exactly the wise choice for you and your family. You can save a lot on your health care without sacrificing quality. MediShare gives you free telehealth, a huge network of doctors, all of that. But the typical family saves $500 a month, month after month. And that makes sense for a lot of people, more than 400,000 so far. And you get the security of knowing this has been working great for over 25 years. So MediShare is different. It's a good different. It's really about sharing. Members even pray for each other, which is 
very refreshing, especially right now. And one more very good thing. If you join before the end of February, they'll waive your new member fee. That's another $170 you'll save before you start saving month after month. Here's the number. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. We're live all across the USA and around the world. You're listening to Ron Sedgie today. I can't wait to talk to our next guest. I really mean this. There's a new documentary that just premiered a couple of weeks ago on Discovery Plus, and it is called The Attack of the Murder Hornets. I don't mean to make light of it, but it almost sounds like a science fiction movie, you know, where you say, The Attack of the Murder Hornets. But it's a very serious issue, and joining us right now is a gentleman who owns McFall Beard, our friend Ted McFall. Hi, Ted. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, pretty good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I didn't mean to make light of the name of this, but it does kind of sound like a science fiction movie, and it's true. We're talking about a phenomenon of the Asian giant hornet, and it's known as the murder hornet. Tell us about this, because it is attacking all kinds of bees that, of course, are very important to our environment because they are pollinators of food crops. So it's a risk to our food source, and it's also a very weird situation. Tell us about it, Ted. Yeah, well, you know, I think you're right that the name of the documentary, Attack of the Murder Hornet, that does sound kind of like a, a silly name or like from a 60s horror movie. Right. And actually, the the documentary itself kind of plays out like a, a work of fiction because a lot of this is tough to believe that there's such a terrible creature here on U.S. soil right now. But the reality is it is here, and currently the, the murder hornet is in the Pacific Northwest. And so the documentary kind of depicts, depicts the... Uh, the struggle that we have of trying to eradicate this thing. And no one knows if we're going to be totally successful or not, because the problem is if we're not successful in stopping it right now, it's going to spread across the whole United States. And these murder hornets, they're giant hornets. They're the, the biggest hornet in the world. They're three inches long. They have these giant mandibles, these giant jaws that they use to bite off the heads of the bees. And uh, they can also bite people if they want to or bite other uh, animals or other creatures. They have a giant long stinger. Their stinger is, is a quarter inch long. Bee equipment that doesn't work against it. They can sting through uh, any clothing, you know, and they also are able to spray venom. And so if they are successful in spraying venom in your eye, it's permanent blindness. It's a terrible, terrible creature to have here in the United States. It did come from Asia? Is that where it originated from? And if it did, how did it get here? So it did come from Asia. No one's exactly sure how it wound up on the U.S. soil. There's different theories, and actually in the documentary, you'll see some of the uh, possible theories. They, they include uh, the possibility of it having come here on a, a cargo ship uh, accidentally, or maybe uh, someone even smuggled them here to the United States, because there's certain cultures that like to eat the murder hornets, because it's such a big, meaty creature. Uh, there's actually recipes and stuff to eat them. So it's possible that someone brought them here to try to raise them, and then they got out. Or it's also possible that some enemy of the United States may have released them on purpose to uh, to go through the United States killing uh, our pollinators, killing all the bees, which would definitely hurt our food supply and cripple the agricultural industry. You are hit directly with this. I understand that in the near 2019, you have a, a colony of 60,000 honeybees that were decimated because of this. I mean, what happened when you saw this? And they were beheaded, which is, you know, sounds like a horror movie again. Yeah, unfortunately, the murder hornet is, they're very good at killing honeybees. And they just show up and just start biting off heads. They're fast. They can wipe out an entire honeybee colony 
in a matter of hours. They're, they're very swift and very efficient killers. And uh, and so if, if this problem spreads, then there's going to be more honeybee colony loss throughout the United States, which is going to make food prices go up, and, and it's going to be it's going to be really bad for our country. That's why we're, we're trying our best to try to stop this thing before it's too late. You know, some people think it's going to be impossible for us to stop it, but we're we're uh, we're, we're trying hard. And if there's if there's any hope, then then we're gonna we're gonna try to do it. A single hornet can behead 20 bees in a minute, and a small group of them can destroy a hive of 30,000 bees in just 90 minutes. How do you? treated how do you get rid of them i mean what kind of danger is it to you ted when you're trying to kill off this thing well of, of course uh, you, you know they tell us that uh, if we happen to show up to an apiary and we find one under attack you know they tell us to, you know do not try to fight them because you know if they don't uh, you know they can if they start stinging you then it becomes life-threatening very quickly since uh, a human can only sustain uh, around a dozen things or so and, until it becomes life-threatening and so, uh, you know, th- th- what we're trying to do is, is capture live ones and then attach a tracker to it and then release it so we can find the nest. Because really, it does no good to, to kill just the foraging murder hornet. You have to find the nest so you can kill the murder hornet queen to get rid of that nest. And so you'll see in the documentary, uh, you know, the struggle of trying to, to locate the nest. You talk about tracking them. How do you do that? I mean, I understand when they put trackers on fish, you know, whales, turtles. How do you do that to a little bee that is so dangerous to even get near? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, these murder hornets, they're awfully big. You know, they're they're three inches long. They're very strong. They're very muscular. So they can actually carry quite a load. And so uh, you'll see in the documentary, like, you know, efforts of trying to glue um, a tracker to the back. That turns into a total fiasco that you'll, that you'll see in the documentary. Also, uh, trying to tie a, a, a tracker to the murder hornet and release it that way. But, uh, you know, there's, there's different ways that uh, we've been trying to, to track this thing down to, to find the nest and kill it. But, you know, none of it is, of course, the murder hornet's not going to cooperate with you while you're trying to, to put glue on its back and stuff. And also, they fly very fast. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a real tough try to track down their nest in the woods somewhere. Ted, you know, aside from this great documentary, and again, it's on Discovery Plus, it's called The Attack of the Murder Hornets. Why has not the mass media got on this case? I mean, you know, it sounds it could be as bad or approaching COVID-19. Has there ever been any public dissemination of information regarding this? Well, you know, at the beginning, it, it hit the media, and then everyone's talking about, oh, the murder hornet, the murder hornet, you know, this is all in 2020. And then, like, very rapidly, like, it, it just kind of, like, stopped getting covered. And so it, and so everyone was like, oh, okay, well, I guess there was nothing really to worry about. But the reality is, you know, they're still here on U.S. soil trying to spread. And then the, the people here in the Pacific Northwest uh, that, that are trying to stop them, you know, it, it seems like it's kind of falling off the radar of a lot of the United States. But I guarantee you, if this thing spreads, and uh, if we're not successful in the Pacific Northwest, then there's going to be a lot of upset people that, that say, well, how come we didn't try to stop it from the very beginning? You know, it's kind of like kind of like COVID-19. If you could get in a time machine and go to Wuhan, China, whenever that COVID-19 first started spreading, you could have stopped it. And so that's kind of the, the point that we're at right now. We're, we're, we're kind of like at ground zero where it's just starting. And so that's why we're, we're, we're desperate to try to stop this thing. And unfortunately, it's happening during the, the whole pandemic. And so it seems like the pandemic is what's getting so much media attention and all that. Or else I'm sure that this murder hornet would be getting more attention. Well, it's fascinating. And I think everybody should watch it. And we need to, you know, spread the word about it. It's a brand new feature documentary. That's on Discovery Plus as we speak. It's called Attack of the Murder Hornets. Our guest 
is Ted McFall from McFall Beard, who has a lot of knowledge of this because he's been actually affected by this thing. I can't wait to watch this, really, Ted. And anytime you want to come back, when you've got new developments, good or bad, please let us know. We'd love to talk to you, okay? Well, fantastic. Well, I'm sure you're going to like the documentary. And, and just so you know, everything in it is totally real and, and totally authentic. There's there's no creative license or no no silly stuff in there. I mean, it, it plays like, like a work of fiction. It's kind of tough to believe some of this stuff. But, but I promise you, everything in it is totally accurate. Well, I'm very anxious to see it. I urge all of our listeners to do so. And come back, and let's chat about this some more, okay? Absolutely. Unbelievable. To be honest with you, it's frightening. I never heard of this thing before. You know, it does kind of sound like one of those 50 science fiction movies where you say, the attack of the murder hornets. But this thing is the real deal. We're going to pause for a second. There's more to come with Ron Sedgy today. back live all across the USA and around the world. You're listening to Ron Sedgy today. And there's only two people who can sing that song. One of them is Patsy Cline, who made it a hit. And the other one is our guest, who I am delighted to have on the show today. She is to country music with Elvis was to rock and roll, Sinatra was to pop. Joining us right now with a belated happy birthday greeting is legendary Loretta Lynn. Hi, Loretta. Welcome to the show. Hello, and it's really nice to talk to you. Well, it's great having you here. And after 30 years of doing the show, to say that we've got you here a few times, and I love that. You must like it here. (laughs) That's an accomplishment all in itself, you know? (laughs) Yes. I meant what I said when I said that only two people could sing that song, you and your dear friend Patsy Cline who everybody loved, as everybody loves you. But we're, we're, we're going to talk about this new book you have called Writing My Feelings. I found it rather interesting that you'd rather write than singing out on a crowd. I'm glad that you do both, dear. Well, uh, I try to do both, uh, but, but I would. I'd, uh, uh, you know, I, I love to write because it seems to me like I write about myself all the time. That way, I don't, that way it takes a lot off of me. If I've got something on my mind, it helps. Now, was it therapeutic? Was it hard to write this? Because I sense by reading it that the memories that uh, you had and shared with Patsy Cline were so much a part of this, and it's very emotional. I mean, I was getting emotional just reading it. Well, her and I had such a good time together that uh, we'd look at each other and laugh one minute and, and talk. we'd talk about something that was sad, and then we'd both be crying. So we were two bad girls. <laughs> well, there's nothing bad about that, Loretta. You know, here's the thing that I really appreciated. Now, you did everything together. You raised your children together. You did everything humanly possible together. Yet... You were so much connected with music and the art. A lot of times people new in the business doesn't want to share anything about themselves because they're worried about the competition. But you and Patsy were not like that, were you? No. There's no competition. Uh, it's whatever they make it. It's however they do it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if, if, if competition's great, let them get it. I mean, more part to them. Yeah. But the trouble of it is, they don't work for it. Yeah, that's the problem. And that's the problem when 
fame comes to somebody so very, very young. Let's start in the beginning, okay? Didn't know that you were named after Loretta Young. You were delivered by a midwife who was 80 years old at the time and blind. Yes. Oh, man, uh, you talk about, uh, you know, getting a rough start. <laughs> and, of course, born in a two-room log cabin. But when you first got started in the business and uh, your husband at uh, Doolittle said, let's go out and make some records, and the touring of that brings back the good old days of promoting a record. You went town to town delivering records to disc jockeys, did you not? That's right. Can't I do- really worked hard at it, but I would have never made it unless I had done this. Yeah. Loretta, they can't do that today. They can't. Make the stars like yourself and Elvis and Sinatra and all those people we mentioned earlier because radio stations don't do that anymore, do they? Well, it's not the radio stations. It's the person. You know, if you want to just sit down and say, hey, I've got a record out here and I'm a star and I'm going to be a star, it ain't going to make it. No. You tell a great story. I love this story because being an old disc jockey boy, I tell you, I remember this very well. You walked into a radio station to promote the record and you found the record in the garbage can. Tell us that story, because I think that's a great story. Well, I went in and I asked him if he got my record. Yeah, uh, it was around here someplace, and they didn't want to play it. They, it was, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was just like everybody else, just like every radio station. And uh, I looked in, I just looked down, and in the garbage can laid the Zero record. And I picked it up, and I said, so you uh, got it and, and uh, played it? And I said, you, well, what's it doing in the garbage can? Yeah, that's the way it was, boy, I tell you. Come a yep. long way from those days. Uh, she won the CMA's Female Vocalist of the Year Awards in 1967, 72, 73. In 1976, released her first best-selling autobiography, which was later made into a movie, Coal Miner's Daughter. 1972, named the CMA Entertainer of the Year, the first time in the history chosen for a woman and inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame in 1988, and three books to her name. Tell us more about Writing My Feelings. I find that a fascinating book. Oh, the one of uh, me and Patsy? Y- yes, you and Patsy. Well, it wasn't hard for me. I mean, it's, it, I mean, I just uh, close my eyes and think back. And I can hear her talk and, uh, and hear myself talk. And uh, it was just like she was here with me and we were doing all this now. You named one of your twins after her, did you not? Yeah, Patsy. Patsy, yeah. Uh, my daughter that uh, helped me write the book. Uh-huh. Where did you learn of the plane crash, Loretta? Oh, my God. I don't even like to think about it. I know. You don't have to uh, I was in bed, and um, it was on a Sunday morning. And, you know, I was to go with her that time. Really? I was. Yeah, she was going to take me, and she was giving me $50 to go with her. And uh, the little black book in Memphis called and said they would like to have me come down and, and uh, sing on Saturday night. And I told Patsy, I said, Patsy, if I go to Memphis... The, they'll play my record, uh, letting everybody know I'm going to be singing at the Little Black Book, and I'll get more publicity out of that than I will, you know, if I just went with you. So uh, I, I'm going to go to the Little Black Book. Yeah. Or I'd have been with Patsy. Oh, my goodness gracious. Boy, that's a frightening thought. It really is. You've written over 150 songs and, you know, 79 charted records, including 52 top tens and 16 number one. Boy, that is unbelievable. Did you ever think, as a young girl growing up, and you had it tough, there's no question about it, Coal Miner's Daughter really profiles how tough you had it. Did you ever think that you would reach the stars as you have? Honey, we had our radio, Philco Radio, and we'd save the batteries till Saturday night to listen to the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. 
And I always listened to Ernest Tubb and Kitty Wells and, and uh, Bill Monroe and all these uh, big artists, you know. Never dreamed that I would ever be singing with them. Yeah. You know, we've interviewed your sister, Crystal Gale, many times. And the last time she was bragging about her new CD, which she had every right to brag about. And she was so excited because the first time ever you two did a duet on that CD. Do you... Yeah, we sang a little bit that day. Uh... She was just ecstatic about it. Well, goodness gracious. <laughs> See, you found out something that she didn't tell you, right? <laughs> That's right, because I've been singing with her since she was a baby, and I, now I'm much older. <laughs> yeah. You spend a lot of time at the museum. I do. Yeah. I was watching a story a few months back saying that you go there and you talk to the people, that you're very accessible, you, you oh, sing some Oh, do I go over there and sign autographs? Yeah. That's... People come through, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you ever retire, Loretta? Why? May I tell everybody how old you turned on April 14th, or is that our oh, secret? right on. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Loretta Lynn, who sounds terrific, sings like an angel, writes great songs and books, turned 88 this past April 14th. I think that's sensational. Thank you. I was born in 1932. Is that 88? According to my calculations, that's 88, yes. Is it? If you want to cheat a little bit, Loretta, you can. No, there ain't no use cheating. I don't care. <laughs> I love it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the name of the book about Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn is called Writing My Feelings. Get it now. It is a great book. And, of course, the recording that we played is the version of I Fall to Pieces, which, like I said in the introduction, only two people could sing it, Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn. Hey, Loretta, this has been a real treat for me. i got to tell you the truth. Well, me too, honey. And I hope one day that you come back and join us, and I'd love to come visit you at the museum. How would that be? Well, come on down. I would love to do that. I really do. Well, come on. We'll go into the museum, and we'll we'll have us a cup of coffee and a piece of cake or whatever, and I'll bring you over to the house, and we'll do that. Well, i got to tell you something. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a singer. And I sing with a 15-piece orchestra doing all the great songs of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and oh, 80s. Oh, that's great. So I'd maybe love to hear you. You and I need to get together, and my goal would be to sit down and have an acoustic session with the great Loretta Lynn. Well, we'll do it. Now you made a reason for me to get up in the morning, you know that? Where are you at? <laughs> I'm in Orlando, Florida. It's not that far away. Hop, skip, and a jump once the quarantine's over. You, can, you need to come up. I'll, I'll get on the plane, and I'll be up there. All right. Loretta, thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the great hours of entertainment you've given us, and we love you, dear. Thank you, and I love you too, honey. Thank you, Loretta. Thank you. Doesn't get any better than that, ladies and gentlemen. The great Loretta Lynn. Unbelievable lady. I love her. And there's more to come with Ron Seggi today. Well, I was born to call miner's daughter In a cabin on a hill in butcher holler America's founders knew power corrupts, and ultimate power corrupts ultimately, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why they built in checks and balances to prevent any one group from seizing all power. And that's why our president is elected by a college of electors, to protect the rights of little states like Delaware and Wyoming against giants like New York and California. After all, our country is a republic, the United States of America, not the United State. Our states are independent, sovereign powers 
powers who created the federal government, not the other way around. And that's why all power ultimately lies in we the people and the states, not a central dictatorship of cronies. Did you know that? Thank God for the U.S. Constitution. Find out more how our amazing Constitution and Bill of Rights protect us, the citizens, against power-crazed politicians in Washington. Help us take back America. Go to OurAmericanRights.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. All across the USA and around the world, you're listening to Ron Seggi today. It seems like only yesterday, and I mean that. I know that's kind of a standard line, but it's real. I mean, I can't believe that it's already season number three of the hit NBC TV show New Amsterdam, which is premiering this month. It's a great show, and boy, three years have gone by very, very quickly. Our next guest is one of the stars of that show, and when you talk about a working actor, his name comes up because he has done a lot of things both on TV, on the big screen, and he plays the role of Dr. Iggy Fromm on that new Amsterdam. Joining us right now is Tyler Labine. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm great, but I need to say one thing in all seriousness. You have the best voice I've ever heard. Oh, oh my really? gosh, man. Really? What a voice. Holy cow. I can listen to you talk all day. Well, tell that to my wife. You know, that's very nice. You know, when I first got into radio, just to digress for a moment, I was 14 years old. And wow. know, I was hanging around these guys that had, you know, all sounded like Walter Cronkite. And I wanted to be a disc jockey. I didn't think really a deep resonant voice was necessary. So that's nice of you to say because I never got into it predicated on my voice. I got on it predicated that you could meet a lot of girls as a disc jockey, Tyler. I want you yeah. to Yeah, <laughs> and personality, personality up the wazoo with you, clearly. Yeah, and your wife, she doesn't know how good she's got it. You know, Please. That's the thing. She can't see the forest for the trees, right? Please say that as many times <laughs> as you want when she hears the show. I'll be concerned at that point how to address that issue, but in the meantime, we're having a good time. Hey, Tyler, yeah. congratulations on yet another season of New Amsterdam. This show has truly taken off, and deservingly so, too. And, you know, when I mentioned in the introduction about being a working actor, holy man, you were on Fox's yeah. Sons of Tucson, CBS Mad Love, NBC's Animal Practice, CW's Reaper on the big screen with great shows like The Boss with Melissa McCarthy, Someone Mary Berry, The Planet of the Apes, and co-produced and starred in Mountain Men. You know, a lot of times an actor will get into, or an actress will get into a situation that's in reruns or something for a long, long time, which is great, Mm -hmm. but hasn't really worked in, you know, 27 years. Boy, that's not the case with you. No, and, you know, I I feel really fortunate. And, you know, when I think about actors that have lived off syndication money and things like that. Like, it's not easy. It's tough. You know, I really, my heart goes out to people who haven't been able to keep pursuing what they want to do and keep growing and discovering as an actor. But man, I, that's my whole bag. I got, if I can, I don't really care about fame. I care a little bit about money, but yeah. I, care, I care the most about just discovery and, 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 and following my creative impulses. So I've been really blessed, you know. That's great. What can we expect without, you know, giving away the entire recipe on season number three of New Amsterdam, which, as I mentioned before, has really taken off. Good show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's um, it's really, I think, our show's responsibility to kind of showcase what's happening in the world. And, and it, it was always the case with, with season one and season two. And then, you know, a global pandemic hit, and uh, we're a, a, a medical drama. And I think, you know, the choice was pretty clear that we need to really chronicle kind of what, what's been happening and in our world, and and especially you know specifically what's happening with frontline workers and healthcare workers, and and the the battles that have been going on within these hospitals that a lot of us can't even really imagine, you know, um, it's been heartbreaking and brutal and gut wrenching, and 
And we're trying to really show that without, you know, dragging everybody through the mud and reminding them, like, hey, remember, we're in a pandemic. We also felt like, you know, it was our, our duty to kind of commiserate with people and show what's been happening, um, uh, you know, in a way that sort of our, only our show does, which is like, let's all get together and cry about, about this, you know, like, let's let some of this out and let some of the healing begin. And, and also the show is about much, it's about hope. The season really is about hope and rebuilding and, and what's going to happen as we move forward in this world, you know, in this climate, um, as we kind of come out of the, the fog of, of COVID. Um, and then as far as my character and some of the other character developments, everybody is going through a major kind of overhaul and a, and a and a big kind of metamorphosis this year and realizing what's really important to them, which I think a lot of us can relate to as well. You know, coming through this pandemic, you kind of uh, realize what's, what's really important in life, reassess what we really want. Right. So that's happening. And my character specifically transitioning from season two to three is going to be dealing uh, a lot with, um, with learning how to love himself, realizing that he's, he's more than just a, a doctor, you know, he's a husband, he's a father. And then also learning, uh, we're going to learn a lot about Iggy's eating disorders. He has struggles really badly with eating disorders. And uh, that's something that I struggle with in my life and chose to, to offer up to our showrunners um, as material for Iggy. So we're really melding a lot of stuff from my life and putting it into the show and showcasing eating disorders from a male perspective, which we haven't really seen any medium. So that's exciting. I think it's important to take an actor, or as far as that goes, anybody that is involved in a particular business and use some of their experiences to further the role in this particular case. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how many people know this or not. When I first found it out a couple of years ago, I was kind of taken back that New Amsterdam is actually inspired by Dr. Eric Meinheimer's memoirs, 12 Patients, mm -hmm. Life and Death at Bellevue Hospital, and his yeah. 15 years as a medical director at that hospital. I don't mean to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but is he still with us, Dr. Meinheimer? He is, yeah. He's actually a producer and a consultant on the show. Okay. Yeah, and he's very, especially through season one and two, was very hands-on with what stories were being put into the show. And, you know, he, he got to have Ryan Eggold portray him on a TV show, which isn't bad. Not a bad guy to have no, portray you on a no, TV show. No, Yeah, he's a handsome fellow and um, charismatic. But it's, uh, yeah, it, it, a lot of the things, a lot of the craziest storylines from the show, the ones that people would have been like, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, right. That's stuff from his actual life and wow. cases that he's actually had to, to, uh, to deal with, you know? Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah, he's very much involved with the show, yeah. That's a, quite a compliment to have a very successful television series uh, kind of taken after your life. That's, I guess, when you know you yeah. made it. You know, you were down in South Africa filming this escape room. What was that experience like? Were you there during this COVID thing? No, no, this was a couple of years ago. Oh, was um, it? Okay. I was there. The movie came out. It's called Escape Room, uh, as you just said, and it, it did really well, actually, which is pretty cool. Um, but no, we, we were down there, uh, I was down there for 12 weeks and, uh, what an experience. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. I was in Cape town and I got to climb up a uh, tabletop mountain and I got to, you know, go to do a bunch of whale watching and run on some safaris. But other than that, like just the experience of living and working in Cape town was like, it was unreal. And the cast was great and we really had a good time, yeah. but, uh, the main takeaway for me was just like I've been to South Africa. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, it was cool. One of the benefits of working on location, you could end mm -hmm. up in Iceland, so I guess you got the better of the two. Well, you know, Tyler, I congratulate you and the entire cast, Ryan and the whole crew, 
for a great job. Again, the season premieres on NBC New Amsterdam. Tyler, you're a great guest, and not just because you complimented my voice, but you really are. And I hope that you come back soon and chat more about what's happening in season number three a little later yeah, on. Pleasure. It'll be my pleasure. If you got the time, I got the venue, okay? All right. That's the deal. That's the deal. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Tyler, and I'll play that Thank part you. to my wife later on today. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it, do it, okay. do it. Thanks, Tyler. All right. Nice, nice guy. He really is. Very, very talented man, too. He plays the role of Dr. Iggy Fromm on New Amsterdam. As we mentioned before, it's in season three on NBC. And there's more to come with Ron Seggi today. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. The treatment doesn't get any better than what you receive at St. Jude. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially. And so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. And now your focus is supporting this child. There is not another hospital like St. Jude. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. It's pretty amazing when you consider that seven years ago, we didn't have the treatments we have now. We cure 80% of children with cancer. Go back 50 years, we were curing 20 to 30%. This is the miracle story of modern medicine. We understand what makes this cancer tick. And of course, without donors from around the world, this just couldn't happen. There's one thing we're focused on, and that's beating this thing. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Every choice you make, you want it to be the wise one. And if you haven't joined MediShare yet, you may want to look into it right now. It may be exactly the wise choice for you and your family. You can save a lot on your health care without sacrificing quality. MediShare gives you free telehealth, a huge network of doctors, all of that. But the typical family saves $500 a month, month after month. And that makes sense for a lot of people, more than 400000 so far. And you get the security of knowing this has been working great for over 25 years. So MediShare is different. It's a good different. It's really about sharing. Members even pray for each other, which is very refreshing, especially right now. And one more very good thing. If you join before the end of February, they'll waive your new member fee. That's another $170 you'll save before you start saving month after month. Here's the number. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. That wraps up hour number one of Ron Seggy today, but we have another hour to go. I want to thank my guest this first hour from PBS, T.J. Lubinsky. From the TV show Attack of the Murder Hornets on Discovery Plus, Ted McFall. 
country legend Loretta Lynn, and from the third season of New Amsterdam, actor Tyler Labine. Next hour, comedian Tom Arnold will be joining us from Soul of a Nation on ABC, comedian Tommy Davidson, and of course, the beautiful Tamron Hall from the daytime TV show Tamron Hall Show. And then we're going to chat about eating healthy with dietitian Mia Sin. And that's coming up next hour live with Ron Seggi today. After a quick pause, we'll be back with our second hour's first guest, Tom Arnold. We're back with hour number two of Ron Seggi today, live nationwide and around the world on this first weekend of March. Can you believe that we are already into the third month of 2021? Man, time flies. Tom Arnold is going to be joining us this second hour as our first guest. Funny, funny guy. He's got a new venture we'll be chatting about. Then another comedian who's part of an ABC show that is socially very, very important called Soul of a Nation. And later on in the hour, Cameron Hall will be on the program. And of course, she is always welcome here. She's a frequent guest, we might add. She's part of the Tamron Hall Show, which can be seen in syndication every weekday. And then we'll end things out this second hour with dietitian Mia Sin about eating healthy. And that's all coming up this second hour of Ron Seggi Today. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling. The complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day. And for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathrooms, if you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-896-8242 800-896-8242 That's 800-896-8242 Every choice you make, you want it to be the wise one. And if you haven't joined MediShare yet, you may want to look into it right now. It may be exactly the wise choice for you and your family. You can save a lot on your health care without sacrificing quality. MediShare gives you free telehealth, a huge network of doctors, all of that. But the typical family saves $500 a month, month after month. And that makes sense for a lot of people, more than 400,000 so far. And you get the security of knowing this has been working great for over 25 years. So MediShare is different. It's a good different. It's really about sharing. Members even pray for each other, which is very refreshing, especially right now. And one more very good thing. If you join before the end of February, they'll waive your new member fee. That's another $170 you'll save before you start saving month after month. Here's the number. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. We're back live all across the USA and around the world. It's Ron Seggi today. Our next guest Hasn't been on our show in a long time, although our paths have crossed over the years. Joining us right now is one funny man. It's Tom Arnold. Hi, Tom. How you doing? Welcome back. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing it's good. Well. It's been a long time, and I'll tell you the last time you and I were in each other's company was back in 2009, June, 
where I did the eulogy and emceed the funeral for our mutual friend, Ed McMahon. Oh, yes. Good old Ed. Yeah. Guys. What a great dude. You guys had the same birthday. Yes. Uh, Ed McMahon, Shaq, and uh, yeah, I loved Ed. We were very close. Looking at a picture of him right now at the wall of my office. Ten years ago, huh? Yeah, ten Wait. years ago, yeah. yeah. You were nice enough to come up on stage, and I think we were at the radio and television pavilion or something there in Burbank, wasn't it? Yes, yes, we were. Yeah, something like that. Yes, well, yeah. Sad day, but, but anyway, that was the last time we spoke. And now you are doing something that is very cool. You're on the live edition, celebrity edition, I might add, of Family Feud, going a lot of places. Tell us about this, because this show is so good on television, and now you are bringing it on stage. Tell us about it, Tom. Well, you know, back in the day, uh, I loved the Family Feud. I've always loved it. I loved it from uh, the first host, uh, Richard, uh, what was his name, Richard Dawkins? Richard Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, remember? And he kissed people. Right. And uh, the guy from Hogan's Heroes, which, uh, you know, uh, it, it it was just a fun show, and it seemed like if you watched it, and, you know, I used to watch it when I lived back in Iowa when I was, before I came out to Hollywood, I thought, that just seemed like a show I could probably do. It's not like Jeopardy where you're like, yeah, I probably couldn't do that show. It just seemed like a fun show. And, and, and eventually the Jackie Thomas show, my TV show, we competed against Roseanne on the show. So I was, I've been on the television show. And uh, we won. And I have the clips to it. I was watching them recently as we get ready to go on the, the road to do this show. And, and I remember how competitive we were. And, and, uh, and John Goodman and Roseanne and Lori Metcalf were, we were just, my, my cast, I had Martin Mull and uh, the other guys, and we really wanted to win. And we, it, it was very competitive. It was very fun. Someone called me that they do this live. I, I go, how does that even work? What do you, what do you mean live? They go, we go around the different cities, and, and, and you know, 3,000 people will come out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, and people can win money. And they get picked randomly out of the audience, and they put them together. And a real, you know, game show producer will coach them up. And you know, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not the host or anything. I'm, I'm like the family member, the celebrity family member. So I get to play, which is the most fun. And that's what we do. And you know, I have little kids now, and they we love playing these games together. And you know, it, I have a lot of energy still, barely, but. Uh, it, it just seems like great fun, and people, like I say, can win money, and they're excited. It's just it's a home run, I think. Is Fremantle the production company that does the television show doing the live shows too, Tom? Yeah, th- yeah, they're very good. They yes. even do your laundry. Yeah. You know, that uh, it's like, <laughs> they're so, they, I, I think, uh, I, I'm 100% sure I would not be doing this if they weren't uh, the ones doing it, because they are just excellent. They really know what they're doing. They're is going to be the show, and they're going to do it like the show. It's going to be live. It is, it's, you know, if you go to a taping of the show, there's dead spots. Yeah. You know, as you wait for things to be set up, there's not going to be dead spots here. When you go to, when it's game time, you know, people are going to know the, the, the contestants are going to be, they'll be interviewed backstage, so they'll be in the order that the producer thinks that the, they'll be answering the questions, you know, how they do. They set up the 
what they think is the quickest, smartest family member, first, second, third. It's going to be great. You are the perfect person for this. There is no doubt about it because you radiate such energy and being the fan as you are of the show. You know, we were talking about Ed earlier, his family. I got them on the TV version of Celebrity. The thing that really gets me, you talk about how everything kind of comes together. The host of this show is Alonzo Bowden. Alonzo Bowden won the television show's number one prize, Next Big Star, that Ed hosted. To oh, do a lot wow. Of stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, my gosh. See, now see, full circle everything. Yeah. You know, that's I, right. I go down. You have done so many films, uh, and I'm just going to mention a few. Nine Months, McHale's Navy, Cradle Two to the Grave, Happy Endings, The Great Buck Howard, and, of course, the Fox News Net talk show, The Best Damn Sports Show, period. I love that. And you've been keeping busy like crazy. You started, actually, though, in an open microphone night at the University of Iowa just on a whim. Well, you know, I dreamed. Here's a, here's a you know, this is like, you know, when I, I grew up in Tumble, Iowa, as a single father, you know, he went to work and he came home. And, and my brother and I, the only time, uh, you know, we, we really heard him laugh downstairs would be when there was a Bob Hope special on you know, I said to my brother, whatever it is that this Bob Hope does, you know, I want to do that. I want So Bob Hope's this comedian. This is in the 60s, you know. And yeah. There'd be a Bob Hope do one of these USO shows or whatever, and he'd go to Vietnam or he'd go wherever the troops were, and he'd do these fantastic shows. And, and so I wanted to be a comedian. And, and when I saved enough money working at the meatpacking plant, you know, I, I got eventually got to the University of Iowa. They had open mic night. And I just wanted to get up there and tell some jokes and, and got all my friends together, and we had a bunch of drinks and and uh, told jokes. I still have a, a tape of the first time, and you know I wasn't good. And my friends thought I was, and ended up getting a opportunity for a job in Minneapolis, and, and ended up going moving up there. And that's where I met my first wife, and and she just started doing comedy from Denver, and then I started writing jokes for her, and then she went in 1985 on Johnny Carson. You know, with Ed McMahon there, and it was her first time, and she did a couple of jokes I'd written, and Johnny loved her, and yeah. sat her down there, and then she had a career. And then she she said, I want to, you know, do a show about my life. I want you to come out and write it. So I came out there, to out to L.A., and one of the first things I did was a Bob Hope special. So my dad was sitting at home in Tumble, Iowa, and on the same TV that he watched and laughed at Bob Hope when I was a kid, the same living room, he, he saw me with Bob Hope. And laughed. And then, you know, and of course, Bob Hope called him and, uh, you know, it was amazing. And that's my first magic is, you know, making my dad laugh with the guy that he idolized, you know. Yeah, that's what happened. But yeah, I just got up and I told some jokes I'd stolen from other people and then eventually learned how to do it right. You know, Tom, when you told that story, I just got the chills when you said the thing about the Bob Hope story because, boy, what a yeah. great way to have your father see that. I mean, that is sensational. Gosh, wow, that's heavy stuff right there. Well, it was amazing. And, you know, Bob Hope, you know, I get hooked up with the USO for Bob Hope, and I do stuff with him. And, and then he, he has me come down to Palm Springs, and, you know, he has, he has that beautiful yeah. house down there, and I spend time with him and get to know him. And, you know, Bob Hope liked to work, too, and he, he'd call and, and say, hey, uh, he'd be golfing over there at Toluca Lake. And I'd say, hey, come over and do the tag on the Rosette show or whatever. And he, too, we had so much fun. Just so many things that he and his wife and just these incredible people. And, uh, you know, it, what, a, what a crazy honor to get to know Bob Hope and, and to get to know, 
you know, Johnny Carson a little bit, but Ed McMahon, I knew Ed McMahon and his wife very uh, intimately and spent so much time with them. And, you know, and what a big honor that is for somebody like me, too. And just really good people. Yeah, they really are. In fact, he and I were partners for many years and toured with a show called The Tonight Show Memories. And I got a call oh, about two months ago from Pam, his wife, and she wants to do yeah, that Pam. again. Yeah, and so uh, we, we might That's do it. That's a good it. idea. People love that. Man, you know, I was talking to Jane Fonda and, and uh, her and Lily Tomlin were doing stuff on the road. And they, at first they were like, I don't know about, you know, doing these memory shows. And then she, they were like, oh, my God, this is the best. People just love it. You know, and, and people that were movie stars, people love it. The Tonight Show, the memories, again, I'm looking at pictures. I see Ed sent me these pictures. Of Joe Crawford with him and Johnny on the show. He, he, Ed gave me the, the most amazing original pictures from the Tonight Show. But these memories, people love them. It's like why people love the older rock bands. Right. Why they sell out. Right. And then and the new ones don't be. People love this stuff. That would be a fantastic idea. Well, yeah, we're going to do it after the first of the year. But, you know, I looked down the list, Tom, of all of the places that you're going to be at. And you're going to be at the, the Villages in Florida. And speaking about tributes, I do a show with a 15-piece orchestra called the Tribute to Dick Clark's American Bandstand. And we're going to be playing the Villages on the 20th. It's a nice place. You'll like it. Oh, Dick Clark's another one. Yeah. Loved him. Tom, we invite you to come back and check out Family Feud Live for tickets. Thanks, Tom. Thank you very much, buddy. Tom Arnold has been our guest, and the name of the show, of course, is The Family Feud Live Celebrity Edition. I've seen some of the early reviews of the rehearsals, and they are fabulous. We are going to pause only momentarily because there's more to come live all across the USA and around the world. We invite you to check out our website, which is ronsegi.com, R-O-N-S-E-G-G-I.com. We're coming right back. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. The treatment doesn't get any better than what you receive at St. Jude. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially, and so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. And now your focus is supporting this child. There is not another hospital like St. Jude. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. It's pretty amazing when you consider that seven years ago, we didn't have the treatments we have now. We cure 80% of children with cancer. Go back 50 years, we were curing 20 to 30%. This is the miracle story of modern medicine. We understand what makes this cancer tick. And of course, without donors from around the world, this just couldn't happen. There's one thing we're focused on, and that's beating this thing. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. 
Every choice you make, you want it to be the wise one. And if you haven't joined MetaShare yet, you may want to look into it right now. It may be exactly the wise choice for you and your family. You can save a lot on your healthcare without sacrificing quality. MetaShare gives you free telehealth, a huge network of doctors, all of that. But the typical family saves $500 a month, month after month. And that makes sense for a lot of people, more than 400,000 so far. And you get the security of knowing this has been working great for over 25 years. So MediShare is different. It's a good different. It's really about sharing. Members even pray for each other, which is very refreshing, especially right now. And one more very good thing. If you join before the end of February, they'll waive your new member fee. That's another $170 you'll save before you start saving month after month. Here's the number. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. We're back all across the USA and around the world. You're listening to Ron Seggi today. Our next guest is a very talented guy. I'm really in awe of his work. He's not only a comedian, a fine actor... And he's part of a new show on ABC every Tuesday evening at 10 p.m. And it's called The Soul of a Nation. It's a very, very important show. And we're very excited to talk to our guest, Tommy Davidson. Hi, Tommy. How are you? Welcome to the show. I think this is the first time you've been with us. Yeah, it is. It certainly is. But I'm so glad to be able to connect with you. Because connecting with you, I'm connecting with a whole lot of people, I heard. Well, that's... Uh, no, when we're talking about the military arena globally, and I mean globally. So I guess that this is the right conduit for a, a man of many talents like yourself. You know, I was watching, before I went on the air, some of the stuff on YouTube, and you were doing a bit on Spanish TV, and I was rolling, man. I, 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 my, my <laughs> that is so true. They talk so fast. I don't know what the heck they're saying, but I have great friends in the uh, Spanish broadcasting market, and I said, just, they should have, mm -hmm. a, at the bottom, they should have a closed captions, you know, because I don't know if you could read it that fast, but boy, that's a funny bit. You do. You're a funny guy, there's no doubt. Ah, thank you, man. Thank and, you so much, man. It's worked for me over the years, by the way. Well, and deservingly so, too. You have opened for our friend Patty Bell, Kenny G. The first film debut, not too bad, opposite Halle Berry and Strictly Business, Booty Call. Not too bad. Not too bad. Spike Lee's Bamboozled, uh, the Fox NFL show, a lot of Showtime specials, the animated series, The Proud Family. But tell us about this new show that's premiering called The Soul of a Nation, a show about black people, for all people, about the black experience in America. And you are featured in the first episode and also the one on March 23rd, which focuses on laughing humor throughout very difficult times in America. How did this whole thing come yeah. about? Uh, well, you know what? You know, me being just a fraction of the whole that's made, made this work for me. You know, I got a call, and of course, you know, when I have any chance to open people's eyes, I'm going to say yet. And of course, Soul of a Nation was the perfect vehicle. Um, soul of a Nation, you know, a look at African Americans now, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you say something like that, you got to take the operative word in, the, in that, which is American, which is all of us, you know, and all of us being different. We're just centralizing on a central group. And there's been this thing, racism, that came up over the last four years and reared its head again. And it's a perfect, the most perfect time to take a look at what devastation that can cause in dividing us. I mean, when it starts its stuff, it really does like taking lives, yeah. okay? Yeah. I'll start with World War II. What's the count on that one, you know? I'll take the Civil War. What's the count on that one? Slavery. What's the count on that one? You know, you know, Holocaust. What's the count on that? What's the count? 
You know, what's the death count? You know, we don't count the death count anymore. We count the lives and the lives that are touched right. by enlightenment. And so this is a great opportunity for America to take a look at their own. African-Americans aren't outside of this uh, uh, country. They're not outside of humanity. They're a part of humanity and a part of this country and a part of this country's humanity. Think of us without Sam Cooke. Think oh. of us without, you know, Dr. Dr. Drew. Yeah. Blood plasma, you know. How would how would it worked out without having that in Vietnam or Korea? What about that? You know, we're a part of everything that's here. You know, what about the cotton on your shirt or the sugar you put in your coffee or the tobacco that you smoke? You know, what about the jazz that you listen to? You know, yeah. what about the inner spiritual strength? What about if there was no presence at all of us here? Wh what reflection do you have in the mirror of your ethical being? There it is, right on time. You're right, absolutely right, Tommy. There's a lot of entertainers that are very vocal. To the point where they're almost, you just want to say, you know, be quiet. And then there are those that you never know what their thoughts are. And, you know, somebody like Elvis Presley never expressed anything because he was afraid to lose a part of his huge following. He could have lost half it and still had more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. But do you ever worry about being serious when you are known for being funny? Is it effective because it shows a side of you that people don't see all the time because they always equate it with, you know, humor and good nature and fun? I mean, I've been put here for the vanguard of the pain that people had to go through to not be able to experience the full joy that they could have in life. Like, suppose you were uh, a little white girl and a little uh, white boy back in, let's say, 1801, and you had some black friends that you played with, and that you had to be separated from them and not be able to express your full, full feeling. And sometimes not even know why. Not knowing why at all. Yeah. They went a lifetime not knowing. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So I stand on the vanguard of that. Mm -hmm. I stand on the, on, the, on, on the vanguard of a woman who gave up her Irish sons to go and fight something called the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have any money in the first place. You see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, how many episodes are there? Um, I, there's actually eight. And there's a lot of talent in there. I mean, you are addressing, as I mentioned, in, uh, humor and laughing. But there's yeah, a lot like of... Yeah, I hot guy now. I'm, I'm, I'm with Common and... <laughs> so I'm, with, I'm with all the all the hotness now. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, you know? and they're addressing different corners of the problem that we have uh, in doing what you say and getting everybody together. You know what's sad about situations like this is that there is always a segment, regardless of Black America, Irish America, Italian America. There's always a segment of a great culture that put bad names onto that culture. I mean, you know, you look at any type of heritage and you see that throughout history and that's just really sad it's sad and it's uncomfortable and it shouldn't happen and i'm glad that somebody like yourself that sees the humor yet seriousness in a subject that is very very serious yeah you know and 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 to laugh about it means you're alive to do that in the first place that's right that's oh, a very valid laughter, laughter is the first indication that your life is going pretty good. Yeah. Midst of all of the things that we have to deal with on the daily, not only in our personal lives, but watching the world as it is, and, and not being able to make the kind of changes that we'd like to make that our heart knows is the right thing to do. You know, but we're just a part of the, we're just, we're just part of humanity. We're not the human race. Because if we're going to be doing that, then the Chinese are going to want to be first. The Spanish world is going to want to be first. You know, just going to go on and on and on. When under that one banner, the worldwide banner is, what do we want? We want, you know, we want um, good food for our families. We want 
clean water to drink. We want to be able to have medicine when we're sick. We want to be able to have a community where we can feel protected. We want to be able to grow up our children with love in their heart. You know, we simplify it and keep it simple. And these are the kind of things that keep them simple. It's for us to take a look at ourselves in the mirror, not look at the color. Yeah. Look at the humanity. Look at the humanity of it. Tommy, I got to tell you something. I'm glad you're doing this. You're a talented guy. I'd love to have you come back anytime. Tommy's going to be headlining it with uh, uh, how we get through difficult times with humor and laughter. Tommy Davidson has been our guest. Funny, funny man and a talented man. Tommy, will you join us again sometime soon? I will, and your inflection is a lot like Johnny Carson. You couldn't tell me anything that more complimentary. I think your inflection is a lot like Johnny's. Johnny Carson's. Thank you for saying that. That was my hero. Ed McMahon was my partner, so I'm very close to that whole situation. Man, the way you ride that, and we'll have you next time on. You know, there's there. Hey, I hear it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got it in me too, bro. <laughs> you couldn't help it. All that practice I did paid off. Thanks, Tommy. Tommy Davidson's been our guest. Nice compliment. Wow. And there's more to come with Ron Seggi today. We are back live all across the USA and around the world. You are listening to Ron Seggi today. And I mean this sincerely, okay? Our next guest, I think, is one of the prettiest ladies on television. I'm not saying that because she's here. I really mean that. And her daily syndicated television show is a huge success called The Tamron Hall Show. Joining us right now is Tamron Hall. Hi, Tamron. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, Ron. How are you? Thank you for the compliment. I hate to tell you, but without those eyelashes and makeup, you might not think the same thing about me, but thank you for the sweet compliment. Well, I can only base it on what I see, and what I see is terrific, so that, that let's just keep Thanks. it at that, okay? Because I don't look like a day at the beach either when I get up in the morning, so, you know... <laughs> Hey, I'm very excited for you. This is terrific, this show, and I know it's going well. It's a daily show in syndication. By the way, everyone, check TamaronHallShow.com, as they say, for local times and channels. And, of course, you can follow the show on social media at Tamron Hall Show. Tamron, tell us uh, how this whole thing came about, because primarily up to this point, you had so much experience and so much tenure as a news person, winning the 2015 Edward R. Murrow Award, pretty prestigious stuff, part of NBC's third hour of the Today Show. How did it transfer into this? Because this is a almost like a variety show for all intents and purposes, a lot of serious stuff you know and some is, light stuff. Honestly, it was, uh, Ron, I've been on, as you pointed out, the journalist for 25 years, and at one point we looked and counted uh, seven different shows on four different networks at the same time. I hosted Deadline Crime, still do a crime show on Investigation Discovery. I was a reporter right. for many, many years in different local markets and anchoring in the Today Show and MSNBC with politics. So we thought, why not bring all of this experience, what I've encountered, into one location so we could have fun and fashion on one day, but then we can talk about the battles of veterans. Uh, my dad was in the Army for 20 Five twenty-eight years, and so we could talk about all of this in one week. This week, we have love and relationships on. I was forty-eight when I got married and had my first child, and wow. we have a guest coming on who says, "You know, it's never too late." She's getting married now after her fifties. So, the show is a layered experience because life is layered. When you sit down, and you and I are talking right now, we're not going to talk about one thing. We might talk about how amazing the Dallas Cowboys are, or not, yeah. and we might talk about family and friends and all of these things in one conversation and that's what we wanted our show to reflect 
what we all do when we sit down over a meal with friends, when we get on the phone with family members. You just talk about a lot of things. And that's what the show, I hope, reflects every day, the experience you would have with me, one of your friends. You shocked me because I would have never guessed your age. And uh, you haven't said it, but the fact that you <laughs> had a child at 48 years old, I, I thought all the time you were maybe like 33. So that's a nice look that you had there, Tamara. Uh, it's masked. You know what? I got a tip when I was around 27 years. I was working in Chicago, a local reporter. I went to this little spa to get a facial. It was one of my first big splurges on myself. And the woman who owned it looked like she was 19. She was in her 80s. Oh. And she she said, make sure you use a mask every single day, like a moisturizing mask, because I don't care how much, if it's $5, $55, mask every single morning. I was in my 20s, and now I'm 48. <laughs> I use a mask, too. The only trouble is, is seeing out of those little things when you put it over your ears. Oh, the little holes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get the cream. That's, Get the cream mask and so, kind of like swirl it around. It I, will be a scary look, but it pays off. I actually took it for what it was said. You know, they said, get a mask. I said, well, that's pretty brash, you know. I mean, here, so I went and bought a mask. <laughs> like a Halloween mask. Yeah. No, like no, a, no, no, no. We don't want you to go that far. <laughs> Not that far. Tamron, your television show is much the format of my national radio show, and it keeps you as a host fresh because you're talking about different things. It's not all politics. It's not all lifestyle. It's a variety of things. But how difficult is it for you to be accepted by the audience to be that chameleon? I am a big fan of the old Tonight Show. In fact, Ed McMahon was my business partner, and we toured together. Oh, wow. But when I watch the old shows, I watch Johnny, and everything is on a very light level. Once in a while, I'll bring something serious in, but it was very seldom. How difficult is it to go from something that is a serious news story and then go into something very light and have the audience look at that and say, you know, she can relate in both areas? You know, I don't, I don't think of it as difficult. I mean, it's just being real. You know, as I said, if you sat down with someone and myself included and started talking to me about my family, it's likely that it would come up that my sister was a victim of domestic violence and murdered in 2004. And you'd ask me about that and then maybe... Fifteen minutes later, you'd say, well, what's Moses doing? How's, how's Moses? And that's my son's name. He's six months old. And we would transition from one of the most painful things my family experienced to one of the most celebrated things, the yeah. birth of my son. So I think, again, the show, just like your show, reflects how people talk and what we talk about. If I sat down with you and you only wanted to talk politics, both of us would probably run out of the room. If somebody only wanted to talk sports, you'd say, all right, that's not my team or that's not my cup of tea. If they only wanted to talk, you know, about food, you I don't like to cook. But if you talk a little bit about all of those things, you have a conversation. And I think when people know that you're being sincere, those hard turns are not so hard because they know you're listening. As I said, I don't want to cry you know, because someone's crying, I want to cry with you. I don't want to laugh at you. I want to laugh with you. And so when people know, as you know, with all your years of experience, that people are, that we're experiencing with the viewer, with the person at home, all of these emotions, they know you're real. You talk about Ed McMahon. When we fashioned the show and I went into my meetings with Disney and I was pitching the show, I had a whole uh, computer drive of Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin. Those are the people, yeah. naturally, everyone assumed Phil Donahue and, of course, Oprah were what I was thinking when I brought this show to life, but it really wasn't. I, I watched the episode with John Lennon and Yoko Ono yeah. were on with Mike, and then the next thing you know, there was Muhammad Ali and Sly Stone, not Stallone, <laughs> Sly Stone, right. sitting there talking with a politician about 
you know, something that was happening at the time. So I love that, and I love being able to make that transition. You talk about Johnny Carson. And there was a, there's a, a famous week, they call it the week that was, that Harry Belafonte filled in for Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. because at the time Johnny wanted to address what was happening in the country, the civil rights movement, but he did not want to lose that Nebraska nice. Mm-hmm. And Harry Belafonte famously filled in for him, had a lineup like no other. It was Dr. King, Bobby Kennedy, in fact, both were assassinated soon after. Um, they were on the show, Muhammad Ali, Aretha Franklin. The lineup was incredible, and, and Harry hosted it because, to your point, Johnny was hesitant. But I think times have changed. Mm-hmm. The relationship that we have with our viewers, people who are watching, has changed. So we have that opportunity, if we're authentic about it, to talk about anything, and that's what our show is about. I remember that week, too, with Harry Belafonte. But, you know, you bring up a very valid point. That is, in that time, in that era, and it happened in radio and television, you were kind of in a niche. You'd never see, like, Walter Cronkite do anything other than sit behind that desk and be extremely serious. And I think this is where the variety and daytime talk shows have really excelled. And I think it's refreshing to the audience. I really do. I want to bring up something here. You mentioned your sister. Tell us a little bit about the Tamron Renate Fund. I, I started this show, Deadline Crime, on Investigation Discovery, which is still on. It's entering its sixth season. And people um, learn my sister's story through me covering crime. And I honestly was stunned one day when I saw, you know, Tamron Hall's dead sister or Tamron Hall's sister murdered. And I thought, I don't want her just to be that headline. I wanted people to know that she was a mother, that she was a kind person, that we all have our journey. So I needed her name to be mentioned, not what happened to her. And I learned that, honestly, from so many survivors of crime. Uh, You know, we used to say domestic violence victim. We now say domestic violence survivor Mm -hmm. because people don't want that pain to be the total sum of who they are. I've interviewed family members who've lost loved ones and they they are often heartbroken because you know that their their loved one's name is now linked to a murderer or what happened to them so i wanted an opportunity in her name to raise money to raise awareness and it's been fantastic we've had great support from sponsors but we've also had just people giving whatever they could a couple of dollars here and there and i've been to the shelters and I've seen the centers that receive these kind donations and it's life-changing for these families because when you think about it and you know this if there is a adult who's the victim of abuse or a survivor of abuse there is a child likely in that room in that room and in many cases they too are being abused I keep up the good work with that and Equally, keep up the good work with the Tamron Hall Show and go to TamronHallShow.com for local times and channels. Now, Tamron, you got to do me a favor. you got to come back. You're cool. I like yeah. that. I want to be your friend. You, well, you know what? Matter of fact, we just did a story on a woman who started an app where people pay between $900 and $1,200 to meet friends because it's so hard to meet people. You get me for free. Oh, beauty. I'm going to give my friendship for free. Oh, beauty. <laughs> That's the best deal I've had in a long time. <laughs> Tamron, please come back and good luck with the show. Okay. All right. Thank you, man. Okay. Bye bye. What a sweet lady. Tamron Hall has been our guest. And there's more to come with Ron Seggy today.
America's founders knew power corrupts, and ultimate power corrupts ultimately, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why they built in checks and balances to prevent any one group from seizing all power. And that's why our president is elected by a college of electors, to protect the rights of little states like Delaware and Wyoming against giants like New York and California. After all, our country is a republic, the United States of America, not the United State. Our states are independent, sovereign power who created the federal government, not the other way around. And that's why all power ultimately lies in we the people and the states, not a central dictatorship of cronies. Did you know that? Thank God for the U.S. Constitution. Find out more how our amazing Constitution and Bill of Rights protect us, the citizens, against power craves politicians in Washington. Help us take back America. Go to OurAmericanRights.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ron Sedgie today all across the USA and around the world. And our next guest is a guest that we have had on the show, and she's always welcome here. Joining us right now is a registered dietitian. She's a nationally recognized nutrition expert. She holds a Master of Science in Human Nutrition from the Columbia University. You've seen her in all kinds of magazines and television shows. Joining us right now is Mia Sin. Hi, Mia. How are you? And welcome back to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me back. Here we are now in the third month of the new year, and people are thinking about what can we eat that is not only tastes good, but is also healthy. Because my kind of uh, mantra is that if it tastes good, probably is uh, not good for you. So how do we get around that, Mia? (laughs) Yes, and I agree with you. I mean, the great news is is that there's little tweaks here and there that you can make that make a huge difference for the health of your heart when it comes to diet. Um, There was a survey that was conducted by one poll that found that nearly 50% of respondents are hoping to diversify the types of cuisine they cook, but don't know where to start. And so I have three meal planning recipes that are easy to make, and heart-friendly. Okay. So we can start with breakfast, if that's, that sounds good to you. That's the best place to start. Okay, let's try that first. Yes. Yeah, so for breakfast, I make customizable egg cups, and these are easy to make, great for busy weekday mornings. All you're going to do is whisk together eggs, cheese, and almond milk, then cook your vegetables in mozzola corn oil, add that to your batter, and bake in your muffin pan. You can enjoy those with a side of fruit and whole grain toast for an easy, balanced breakfast. Okay, now you just mentioned something there when you said cheese. I could live on cheese. Is cheese okay for the heart? So cheese should definitely be incorporated in, in moderation. Um, you want to, When it comes to dairy products, you want to choose um, low-fat, uh, low-fat or non-fat varieties. You want to avoid the high-fat ones. But, you know, there's room for, I'm, I'm kind of an all-food-fit type of person, but, of course, with being mindful um, and so in this recipe, there's not a lot of cheese added, but you know, it has so much great flavor. So I incorporated it into this breakfast dish. Okay. Now what about lunch? So for lunch, I make a chicken burrito bowl and chicken saline protein. So it's great for this dish. All you're going to do is cook your chicken and bell peppers with corn oil, lime juice, and seasonings. Transfer to a serving bowl, and you can serve with cilantro, salsa, guacamole, and brown rice. Super easy. Okay, and now we're going to jump to dinner. So for dinner, I make taco stuffed uh, peppers. And um, this is a great dish because it's family-friendly. You're going to saute your chicken, onion, garlic, tomatoes, black beans, and rice with corn oil. And once that's cooked through, divide the mixture among bell peppers 
and top with cheese. And um, one thing I wanted to note is that I, I like to use corn oil because it has a high smoke point, which means that it performs well in a variety of cooking applications from stir-frying and sautéing to grilling and baking. And a lot of people may not realize that all cooking oils have a smoke point that once exceeded can negatively affect the food's flavor. So choosing a cooking oil with a high smoke point is great when you're cooking different ingredients for long durations of time. See, I've never heard of the term smoke point. Of course, I've never heard of the term kitchen because I don't know what goes on in there. Explain that (laughs) that smoke point again. All cooking oils have a smoke point, and once it's exceeded, um, it can it, it negatively affects the food's flavor. So I think a, a lot of home cooks may have experienced that firsthand where it, it kind of gets smoky in your kitchen. Um, but the great thing about corn oil is that it has a smoke point of 450 degrees Fahrenheit. So you can use it for grilling, sauteing, um, baking, um, all different types of high heat cooking applications. And you don't have to worry about um, exceeding that smoke point. Now we talked about breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now here's the tough part when it comes to eating healthy. What do you do for a snack between 7 and 11? Because that is a downfall of millions of people every day. Yes. Well, I, you know, on my website, nutritionbymia.com, I share a lot of um, snack ideas that are can help satisfy sweet cravings or crunchy cravings that are, of course, better for you. Um, so I know later in the day, a lot of us crave sweets. So I have a lot of um, like fruit-based sweet treats that satisfy that craving, but without the added sugar and with, um, you know, nutrition, sort of nutritionist approved. Um, And, you know, when it comes to general heart health, I have a few tips. So one of them is to simply cut back on using salt to flavor your foods and take advantage of fresh um, spices and herbs to give it flavor. A little bit goes a long way. And then, of course, cutting back on high-fat dairy and red meat, that will make um, a huge difference as well. And then finally, using a heart-healthy cooking oil when you're cooking your meals. What about this herbs that you talk about to spice it up a little bit? Like what? Um, You know, I really like rosemary. I think that's super flavorful and a little bit goes a long way, but you can't go wrong with um, garlic, onion. Um, I think that a little bit goes a long way with those as well, and, and it works in virtually any savory dish. We always talk about cholesterol-free cooking. I assume that we're including that in the type of cooking oil that you're talking about. Is this difficult to prepare? I joke around, but it's true. I, I have a problem with toast. I'm really a zero in the kitchen. Is this something that someone like myself can embrace and with not a lot of difficulty or brains as far as that goes? Because <laughs> I really am bad in the kitchen. Yeah, these are super approachable uh, meal ideas, and that's really the kind of recipes that I share with my clients and readers are, um, you know, they don't require a lot of ingredients, so they're easy to make, they don't take much time, and they'll fit into anyone's busy lifestyle, no matter if you're a seasoned chef or a novice home cook. And we talk about it being healthy for your heart. Does it do anything for your weight? I mean, will it keep pounds off to cook healthy? I definitely, I think when you, well, first of all, I think cooking meals at home, the meals prepared at home are typically lower in saturated fat and sodium and higher in nutrients like filling fiber. Um, And I'm a huge advocate of, you know, balanced meals that pair fiber and protein and um, your vegetables, whole grains. And when you kind of focus on all of those components in your meals, it's naturally 
satisfying and you're um, less likely to overeat. So I think it supports weight management without trying when you just focus on building balanced meals. And your suggestion as the pro you are is mozzola corn oil. Yes, and I like it because it has a neutral flavor and it works with all different types of cooking applications. And it also has plant sterols, which clinical studies have shown that eating foods with plant sterols can help lower your cholesterol by blocking bad cholesterol from being absorbed. So a lot of those heart-healthy benefits. Boy, a lot of good information we got today from registered dietitian, nationally recognized nutrition expert, and founder of Nutrition by Mia, Mia Sin. Mia, where can we go for more information? For more information, you can visit Mazzola.com, and all of these recipes are on my website, NutritionByMia.com. Nutrition by Mia. Mia, it's always nice having you here. Stay safe, and we look for your return, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, a lot of information by registered dietitian Mia Sin. And there's more to come with Ron Seggi today. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. At St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. The treatment doesn't get any better than what you receive at St. Jude. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially, and so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders, and now your focus is supporting this child. There is not another hospital like St. Jude. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. It's pretty amazing when you consider that seven years ago, we didn't have the treatments we have now. We cure 80% of children with cancer. Go back 50 years, we were curing 20 to 30%. This is the miracle story of modern medicine. We understand what makes this cancer tick. And of course, without donors from around the world, this just couldn't happen. There's one thing we're focused on, and that's beating this thing. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Every choice you make, you want it to be the wise one. And if you haven't joined MediShare yet, you may want to look into it right now. It may be exactly the wise choice for you and your family. You can save a lot on your health care without sacrificing quality. MediShare gives you free telehealth, a huge network of doctors, all of that. But the typical family saves $500 a month, month after month. And that makes sense for a lot of people, more than 400,000 so far. And you get the security of knowing this has been working great for over 25 years. So MediShare is different. It's a good different. It's really about sharing. Members even pray for each other, which is very refreshing, especially right now. 
And one more very good thing. If you join before the end of February, they'll waive your new member fee. That's another $170 you'll save before you start saving month after month. Here's the number. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. That's a wrap with Ron Seggi today. I want to thank you and all of our guests for being part of the past two hours. And our guests include... T.J. Levinsky from Public Broadcasting, Ted McFall with the TV show on Discovery Plus, Attack of the Murder Hornets, country legend Loretta Lynn, and from the third season of New Amsterdam, Tyler Labine. Also want to thank comedian Tom Arnold, comedian Tommy Davidson from the Tamron Hall Show, Tamron Hall and Mia Sin. Well, we'll look for your company come next week when we're going to do it again live all across the USA and around the world with Ron Seggi today. Till then, I'm Ron Sedgy, hoping that you have blue skies and green lights.